Welcome to Software Security Chat Chat, episode 62 for June the 2nd, 2011. I'm Chester Wisniewski, and I have with me uh, Mr. Paul Ducklin from Sophos Australia. Welcome back, Paul. Hello, Chester. From the depths of winter, it is now officially winter in Australia. You know, we've got a, a few news things I just want to run through reasonably quickly, and then I, you know, we kind of discussed that we might have a little chat around the concepts and discussion of cybersecurity. And it's my understanding there in Australia that you guys just had like a national cybersecurity awareness week event. Is that correct? Well, event. It was a whole week, just a whole week on cybersecurity awareness.、Uh, let's hope that's enough. It is a little bit like quit smoking hour.、Uh, really, we have to translate it into a lifestyle change, not just into. Something we do once a week. Great. Well, we'll talk about that at the end of the podcast because I think we both have quite a few thoughts around the the whole、um, hype cycle, if you will, around cybersecurity, cyber war, all these things.、So. Oh, don't say that. You're going to say cyber terrorism next, aren't you? Well, you know, I'll, I I choose my c words carefully, but、um, I'll cover the news briefly.、Um, the big news today, of course, that、uh, I covered this afternoon was that Sony was in、uh, had. Well, I guess it depends on how you like to count. We'll call this the twelfth hacking attack against Sony. This time by、uh, the, a hacking group again, Lulzsec, that had previously attacked、um, Sony Japan, I believe it was.、Um, they also were the, involved in the PBS attacks、um, last week. So these guys have been very active, and, and again, this seems to be sort of、uh, you know kind of graffiti. It's it's just vandalism. I mean it it. It really is seeming to be trying to out these organizations because they simply don't like the way that they might have said a wrong word about Bradley Manning, or in the in the case of Sony,、uh, obviously the the、uh, suing George Hotz over cracking the PS3 and allowing people to run alternative software on it that Sony may not approve of. So even though the Library of Congress in the United States says you're perfectly entitled to do that. Well, we have a lot of conflicting laws in the United States between the DMCA and traditional、uh, rights that we have in the Constitution.、So、my understanding, Chester, is that jailbreaking a device in order to run software of your choice of a device that you own is now completely affirmed to be legal in the U.S. and indeed so it should be. Whatever you think of the politics, the people whose information was exposed is still the real tragedy in this. No matter how you want to look at it, yeah, it seems amazing. I want to make a point against Sony, so I'm going to take millions of records worth of information about individuals who assumed, perhaps wrongly, that they could trust Sony, and I'm going to screw over those millions of individuals. It just seems an exactly a rotten way to go about it.、Uh, if you're thinking of joining that kind of anonymous or lulzy crew. Because it seems like a good way to vent your spleen. Please don't. There are many better ways in which you can prove that you're interested in cybersecurity and that you think privacy and security are important. Spilling other people's data, which you have no right to, is just absolutely the wrong way to do it. So stop it at once, naughty children. Thanks for that, Paul. Um, and another, the big other dominant story this week that we've been paying attention to, and of course, always invites controversy when you bring up the words Apple and security or malware. Apple's been playing some cat and mouse with the guys that have been doing these, you know, rogue security software, scareware, fake antivirus, whatever. Welcome to 1991. Well, yeah, actually, in the 90s, I mean, Apple had a much bigger security problem on their hands, so you would have hoped that they would have an understanding of. The community and the people that may be targeting them. Although I, I think yes. It, in fact, Apple. It, if you think、uh, script viruses, macro viruses, which became such a problem in the late '90s on Microsoft Word, Excel, PowerPoint,、uh, actually one of the first such script viruses for a mainstream operating system was, from my memory, for HyperCard, 
if you remember Hypercard, it was a sort of web precursor that ran on Apple computers. Unfortunately, it linked lots of stuff together on your computer uh, and neglected to link it to stuff on everyone else's computer. But it was still a rich enough programming environment to allow the creation of malware. Well, do you think that Apple may be underestimating the change that's occurred since those days? I mean, obviously, we know that the vast majority of malware today, including these attacks against the Apple platform for the last month, are, are financially motivated. And when there's money on the line, there's a lot more incentive to constantly you know, update and evade and be creative in ways that you can subvert any kind of security processes. Uh, do you think that, that maybe Apple kind of missed that? If I were an Apple user, oh, I am. Uh, then I'd be I'd be rethinking my attitude to security if I was one of those people who believed that a good way to do security is to stick your head in the sand. Yeah, well, and there's there seems seems to be a mixed reaction out there. Although we've had great response about our free Mac AV product um, that you know that we've got available for home use or I guess non-commercial use would technically be the way you'd phrase it. But you know, a lot of folks are adopting that and 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 using it now because they're I, I guess it's a shame that they have to be attacked to realize that maybe they need to do something. But a, a good chunk of the community is aware of the situation, is caring about it, is, is responding. And there's always going to be people who are naysayers. I mean, we see that even on the Windows platform where I think it'd be hard to deny that there's a malware problem. And yet we still see people who go, I don't run antivirus and I've never had a virus. And so we're... I'll just be careful. Yeah. Whatever that means. The cyber crooks may not all be super smart and not every cybercrime attack is absolutely brand new. That's great. It means we can deal with many of them proactively by guessing what they're going to be like. But the cyber crooks are pretty damn determined. And you've made this point many times, in, for example, in the talks you gave at RSA. The reason they're producing so many malware variants for Windows is they're making real money out of it. So it's worth their while. They're going to do it. And now they've learned how to do it on Macs. Yeah, I like to, I mean, it may be kind of a bad analogy, but the way I've been thinking about it is simply, it's like having the lock on my door in my condo, and, and you've been over to my um, my house, Paul, and, you know, you know, my building has RFID things at the doors to stop people from getting in, and you have to have a special badge in the elevator, and you can only get off at the floor that's assigned to your badge, and I'm not aware of anybody ever trying to open my door when I'm not home. But I still turn the deadbolt on my way out because it's just sensible and it doesn't take much effort, similar to installing a free antivirus product that has such minimal impact on your system resources that you don't notice it's there. I mean, it's about the same effect as me having to just put my key in the lock and turn it. It, it is strange that for the, for the Apple guys, it doesn't seem to be a technical argument why the naysayers don't want to use anti-malware software. It's almost as though it's a spiritual one. That if you put an antivirus on your Mac, you're kind of admitting that you've you've joined the dark side or something. I, I and I really don't get that. Well, I'm sure we'll probably see change over time, and hopefully, both the you know the advancement of malware on the OS 10 platform slows down, and that more people take their security seriously. And if that happens, then it, it's a win-win. Why wouldn't you do it? Put antivirus on your Mac for everybody else. Maybe you are the cleverest, safest person in the world. But when your Windows chums give you that USB key or let, oh, plug in my camera, wouldn't you rather say to them, hey, did you realize there's some malware on here? Or if you copy a file that's infect infectious to Windows users onto your Mac and don't realize, and then later unintentionally send it on to somebody else, wouldn't you rather have an alert about that? Just some sense of altruism in your cybersecurity awareness. And I wish more people would think that way about the problem. As do I. Uh... So you wrote an article this week, Security in the Cloud, Is There Any? 
do we dare, you know, bring up the topic oh, of the Oh, I cloud? got into terrible trouble with one chap for that. He said, how dare you write such a catchy headline, and then I go in, it's, a, it's just an ad for a lecture you're giving in Sydney, and I can't possibly get to Sydney. The deal is, it was meant to be a rhetorical question. Some of the comments that we got on that article are indicating that people genuinely aren't sure anymore. Because the, the marketing hype behind the cloud is that because the guys running cloud services should, in theory, be more expert than you and me, because that's what they do for a living, uh, therefore, the entire service should be more secure. And it's a compelling argument, and it could be true, but I think what's happened recently with the Epsilons, the Hondas, the Sonys, you name it, suggests that you know, security in the cloud, is there any? It is meant to be a rhetorical question. I don't know how you answer it. Well, I guess part of it comes down to assessment. Like, how do you figure out whether, you know, your methodologies on securing your data or protecting your information is better than the alternative? And and a lot of people would admit that they aren't very security savvy. They don't know a lot about it. And maybe I should just trust Dropbox or I should just trust Ubuntu One or I should just trust Windows. What is theirs called? Live Cloud or Live... I don't know what Microsoft's is called because I, I haven't used it. Live Drive, I think they call it. Chester, how do you assess something that, by design and definition, you can't get to look at because it's distributed through many servers to get the resilience, through many jurisdictions to get the high uptime? Uh, so the one advantage of doing it yourself is that you can actually learn how to do it yourself and you can get some third party, if you want, to give you an objective measure of how well you've done. For cloud services, you've pretty much got to take somebody else's word for it. And, you know, as we've seen recently, sometimes those guarantees and promises aren't really worth much more than the paper they're printed on. Yeah, I personally have taken advantage of some of these services and quite appreciate them in that, you know, I store backups of my server out in the cloud. But of course, I encrypt those myself first so that the data I'm transferring to the cloud is pre-encrypted and I don't have to depend on any promises of the vendor. And all I'm getting from it is high availability and off-site location that I don't have to go cart hard drives off to a safe deposit box at my bank to have an off-site backup. And it's cheap and effective and, you know, it, it works really well for me. But I've also applied a healthy dose of skepticism before storing my data there, not just accepting that that vendor that I'm doing business with is necessarily meeting all the obligations the way I would personally perform them. So I've kind of, I hate to bring up the word hybrid um, when we made fun of the hybrid cloud when we got back from RSA, but, you know, kind of taking that hybrid approach of I can take advantage of the super cheap storage and physical dislocation from my area and making sure that I've got my backups uh, available if something tragic happens here. And yet I'm still not really placing absolute faith in some third party entity that uh, I have no reason necessarily to believe I should place that faith, faith with. The problem comes when you're, of course, when you're trusting those cloud services to do some sort of manipulation of your data. In other words, they're able to perform searches on your databases of information inside their infrastructure because then no matter how you do the encryption you have to give them the keys to the castle at least some of the time and then the whole issue of trust becomes as you say that much more complicated and i think that we're just going to need to take our corporate databases and learn more effectively how to slice them both horizontally in other words there may be rows in a database that are inappropriate to leave your organization and also slice our databases vertically. So there'll be stuff that we'll trust to the cloud, 
but there are some fields in that database that if you want to retrieve those as well, you're going to have to retrieve them locally. In other words, there'll be, there'll be some columns, if you like, which we won't entrust to other people. And that greatly reduces the risk that personally identifiable information that really impacts an individual seriously would all escape at the same time. Yeah, and, and, and that's you know kind of what I do. I host certain things on my own network at home and other things that I consider less sensitive that I want more scalability, like my, my personal blog. It's like, okay, I want the scalability to be able to take a traffic spike. It's super cheap. I don't have to monkey around with things. I can just run it out there. That's fine because there's nothing really sensitive there. Chester, you're just desperate for one of your, uh, for one of your recipes to get slash dotted, aren't you? Oh, yes. Uh, that would be really cool. Well, and I haven't actually done it. I haven't actually wrote anything in a very long time. Naked Security's kept me busy enough. And on that note, we've kind of run out of time. I really appreciate you joining me. Uh, it's great to have you back on the Chat Chat. That kind of wraps up Chat Chat episode 61 for June the 2nd. 62, Chester. Or sorry, number 62. I... How time flies when you're having fun, eh? Yes, absolutely. So episode 62 is wrapped up, as always, for the latest security news. Visit nakedsecurity.sophos.com. Our podcasts are available at podcasts.sophos.com via RSS or on iTunes. And until next time, stay secure.